Hey, welcome back to Pigeonhole Hockey. This is Chris, and today is co-host Sebastian. Well, hello. And you notice we're just a washed-up goalie and a washed-up goon that have taken one too many pucks or fists to the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. On this episode, we want to introduce our special guest, the head coach and GM of the Union Thunder for the 22-23 EHL expansion franchise in the HL, Sam Taffel. Sam, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I know quite a bit about pucks to the head, so uh, you know I think I'm going to fit in pretty well with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's why we're all here. We like talking about hockey because it's probably all we can process at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So uh, to get this started, tell us a little bit about yourself, your hockey life, and what led you to your roles with the expansion franchise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd love to get into that and uh, feel free to stop me a little bit as I go down this winding road. So, you know, a little about myself. Uh, you know, I was born and raised in New Jersey. Uh, my parents are actually uh, fresh off the boat from Russia. Other than moving away to play juniors, stayed in New Jersey uh, all my life and actually currently work here as a school counselor and also I'm the head coach and director of a New Jersey prep school. So, uh, you know, my hockey life is kind of funny. My parents, uh, they had this whole thing like, oh, we got to be American. We got to fit in. So, you know, while I played hockey growing up, they always just were trying to encourage me to play football, baseball and all this other stuff and uh, just never really stuck. Uh, you know, hockey was always the thing I wanted to go to and you know, like, oh, you're just going to be that stereotypical Russian kid. I'm like, that's eh, fine. So it's a good sport, and I'm fine with being that stereotype. So played uh, club and varsity high school in New Jersey. And it's funny, you know, my parents are extremely supportive. Uh, wouldn't be, uh, you know, here without him. But they really just didn't understand the hockey landscape and the world of it. They, you know, they took me in all the games, took me to practices, but they didn't really understand the intricacies. You know, it even was at a point uh, – my senior year, I made a triple A team in the area and they just they didn't sign the contract because they, they just didn't didn't get it. Uh, but very supportive uh, in that regard, helped me get to where I was after high school. Uh, ended up playing uh, junior B uh, in the old uh, CHA league, um, as well as in the junior A and IJHL. And, you know, I loved it. It was a great experience and uh, finished up playing ACHA. After I graduated college, I decided to go into coaching, start coaching some BAM AA, BAM AAA and got an assistant job at a local New Jersey uh, prep school. And I know you guys talk a lot of USPHL um, from the Cougars. You guys ever uh, talk to Brad Stofers or, or see any of his work? I uh, used a head coach Chicago Cougars, I think, not the past two years, but the four years prior to that. Uh, no, we haven't. Familiar to Chicago Cougars, love their uh, love their uniforms. But no, we, we just started this podcast in October 2020. So I think he might have already just left the team. Yeah, he just headed out then. So he actually, uh, he's an Illinois guy, but he was uh, based out of New Jersey working for the old Trenton Titans East Coast League as their strength coach. And I would work out with him, you know, go to the rink with him. And when he got the head coaching job with the Cougars, he gave me the opportunity to be their Eastern scout. So it was a really good opportunity for me, not only to learn from him and, and a great organization with even better jerseys, but it was also a good opportunity for me to, you know, grow uh, as a hockey guy. You know, I was in the coaching, but I really wanted to learn a lot more. So it gave me the opportunity to go to a lot of main camps and meet a lot of great people. Eventually led me to the NAHL Titans camp where I met their director of scouting, Gary Biggs. And we really just hit it off. And he ended up hiring me for his uh, advising company, Tri-State Athletic Consulting. And, you know, it was a no brainer. He said, hey, you get to work with guys, you get to help them in advance. And 
you get to talk hockey. So I said, sign me up. What do I need to do? And even though I started coaching at a prep school and, and Bantams, I, I always wanted to get to junior hockey. I, I just love that grind. I love that lifestyle. And it was really something was a goal of mine. But uh, when I was 25, a uh, head coaching and a director job at a New Jersey prep school opened up, uh, I interviewed and I got it. Uh, it was just a great opportunity that I jumped on and I've been there since. And it's given me a lot of opportunities. I learned a lot, created my own training company with a couple other coaches I actually would coach against. And, but at the same time, there, there was always that feeling, uh, yeah, it's, you know, this is great. You love it, but it's, you know, you always want to get the juniors and you're not there yet, you know, and are you going to change that? And, uh, you know, working at the school, we really built a culture where our motto is it's, it's strive to be better and to push yourself. You're not getting better, you're getting worse. And look, I tell my guys to do that. And if I tell you to do that. I got to live it myself. And it made me say, hey, you know what, if my guys are taking the next step and I'm promoting them to junior teams and, uh, you know, getting them looks at colleges, then I got to take those steps and chances my players are doing too. So I went to the owners of my travel program, told them I'm really considering moving on to juniors. I love this program. I love what you've done and the opportunities you give me me but uh, this is just something I need to achieve uh, in my personal life and I'd love to stay here but I just don't think I can and the owner uh, who is also the GM looks at me and he goes well we're trying to expand here too so why don't we just try to do it here and <laughs> so here I am uh, and uh, we've gotten through the process and I know we might touch on it later but we officially were admitted through the USA Hockey Junior Council during their winter meetings and the weekend of January 15th and now it's been all junior hockey all time and going to be happier. That's awesome. Yeah. And actually that, that kind of leads us into like the next question and the kind of the process, I guess you want to call it, um, you know, and, and getting an expansion team within the EHL can't be an easy process. Can't be, you know, something that, you know, like you said, it, it's, it takes time. So, you know, for us and our listeners who have never really seen the inside of one of those processes, I was just hoping you kind of give us kind of a little step-by-step basis of kind of, what happened uh, throughout the expansion? Absolutely. So, you know, the first question is, uh, where are we going to play? You know, I've had, uh, as you mentioned before, uh, I had a great experience with the USPHL. I know you guys have the Ogden on a bunch. So you have some really great organizations and it's really been growing. Uh, but then, you know, you also have the USA hockey out of it. I, I feel like a dinosaur sometimes because I-, I played back when it was just USA hockey, you know, and they still had nationals back then. So now you have these great options and different places and and different unique things that each of those leagues provide. So that was really the first thing we started doing. And we started looking into both leagues and we just found that with our current relationship uh, with USA Hockey and specifically the Atlantic District, the EHL was the best fit for us and what we were trying to accomplish as an organization. So once we identified that, we got in touch with the EHL and they have their own vetting process. It started small. We had a call with one of the commissioners, Neil Raven, you know, who was very welcoming, but you know, he was also on top of his things and he was asking us, you know, what our plans and goals were, you know, if we had what it would take to necessarily uh, be able to add to the EHL and, and make sure we're upholding their products and their values by entering a good one on our end. So it started small with just a conversation with him. And then eventually we had a had to give a proposal to the board of directors of the EHL where we went into a little bit more detail on the type of program we're trying to provide, the opportunities and the things that not only that we want to do, but 
that you need to do to have a good, successful organization. So it was kind of funny. We go on a phone call uh, and you know, Zoom call just like this and everyone's cameras are off. So you're kind of talking to a blank screen and not much feedback in response. But it, it seemed as soon as we got off the call, we get an email saying, hey, we like what you provided. But now uh, we have to vote at our next league meeting. So we at that point, it was kind of a waiting game. Uh, and we get another email saying, all right, you're now voted in by the EHL. Congratulations. And, uh, you know, I first read it and I think, OK, you know, maybe the hard part's over and we're going to now just start working on our programming and, uh, you know, player acquisition and uh, making sure we're providing the best player experience for our guys. But the next line read, well, now you got to go to the USA Hockey Junior Council. And I don't know if you guys know much about that. It's essentially uh, sort of a board of directors that oversee all of USA Hockey. And uh, it's funny, John Michael Lyles is on it. And I, I haven't seen that name. Wow. Since, but I, I haven't seen that name since I've been playing NHL. That's a throwback. Right. You know, it's <laughs> like, oh, man, I got to impress this guy. So and there, that's when it got really detailed, actually. Um, we had to basically create not only a business plan um, with, you know, which is expected with budgeting and things, but also uh, making sure we're showing that we're going to adhere to USA hockey standards, but also show that there's a need for a junior team. I mean, I was getting, you know, PTSD flashbacks to my master's, um, you know, work of doing data collection and things where I actually had to get statistics of all players within 35 mile radius of our rink. Um, I had to get uh, X amount of midget teams in the area. I, then I had to find all the junior teams within a 70 mile radius. And I essentially had to provide data to show that, well, this is, these are the numbers and this is why there should be another junior team. And because of data X, data Y, data Z. So that was one thing uh, I actually really enjoyed and had some background with, with some of my, uh, work experience, but it's also something I, I'd be lying to you if I said I was expecting. Following that, uh, another thing that I really enjoyed about the process is sometimes, you know, I, I get sometimes a fault with this too, you get so caught up in the hockey part of it that you can't forget that there's a lot more to it and there's a big academic um, and collegiate part to it as well and make sure you're putting these kids on a good path for success. So we also had to show that we were going to be able to provide our students academic and college advising and you know, not only help develop them as players, but, you know, make sure we're helping develop well-rounded student athletes. Uh, and that's something we actually really took and ran with because with my master's in school counseling and being a certified college counselor in New Jersey, it was actually something that while I wasn't necessarily expecting to come up in the, the proposal and the vetting process, it was something that fell right in my wheelhouse, to be honest with you. And after we submitted our proposal and we had to wait about a month for the junior council to meet, uh, where they meet in Palm, uh, not Palm Springs, uh, some some place with palm trees in Florida that I wish I was at instead of negative two degree weather in New Jersey. And I got a text <laughs> saying we got voted in. And that was January 14th. And we've been uh, rolling since then. Wow. The the steps involved in that, I think, even to me, that would that seemed like a lot more than I was expecting in terms of like steps. I mean, you know that a, a situation like that where you're going to be accepted into a league it's going to be complicated. There's going to be uh, different varying levels, but yeah, they have to do the additional step of then not only getting approved by the league, but then the league still might be declined the option of a team. If there are uh, too many, and it makes sense. It really does. If there's too many competing junior leagues in the same region. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think one thing that has really helped us is just because of uh, the track record and the reputation the Union Thunder have built in our district. But also one thing you should know is uh, we're in the Atlantic District uh, and we're on the northern edge of it in New Jersey. Um, And then the New York District starts obviously in New York. So technically, not only did um, this decision make a junior team impact our USA Hockey District, it also impacted literally I drive 20 minutes. I'm now in the New York District. So um, it also impacted them as well. And they need to be on board with it and, you know, show that, hey, you know, there's room for this, but also that we're okay with these operators and and this business joining um, our league. And luckily, I think a a lot of credit has to go to our owner and GM, Matt Anderson, for, you know, building the program the way he did. And I think building it the right way that when people saw our name come up, I think you know, sometimes you might see a name, uh, uh uh-oh, who, A, uh, who are these guys, or B, we know these guys and we're concerned, but I I think our name came up and they were like, oh, okay, you know, I I know these guys have done a really good job where they're at, and they're going to keep sticking to their guns, they're going to be able to do a good job at the next level as well. So speaking of name, there's always interesting and like location-specific reasons for sports franchise names, so is there a specific reason for the choice of the name Thunder? So I, I wish I had a good answer for you. I can give you a good answer for the location part, but for the Thunder, um, our owner just thought it sounded the best. And uh, <laughs> and another thing um, in the NJYHL, which is the New Jersey uh, travel affiliate uh, for the USA Hockey, when you create a team, you gotta make sure your colors are compliant because they and your jerseys are compliant, so they don't clash with other teams in the league. Wow. So I, I think it was a good way for him to not only create uh, a team name but it, he also matched the the color scheme and jerseys with the lightning which in turn was able to be added uh didn't conflict with any of the teams currently in the league well it's, it's a cool name and uh from the concept at least the logo i can see with you guys right now on twitter and everything and what's being developed uh it looks pretty cool yeah they, they've done a really nice job you know and so in location wise so it's a family-owned rink uh this family's been owning the rink since 2001 it actually used to be if you ever go to our barn you could kind of see it but it used to be a go-kart complex and this family bought it and they ripped out the go-karts and put in an ice rink with a mini sheet in the back for a lot of goalie training as well as a turf complex Ooh, i like that yeah i know i, I wanted to make sure i hit on some things that you'd enjoy and there actually used to be a junior team uh, that used to play out of there in the old Empire League back in 2006. New Jersey Wildcats played out of there. So there used to be used to house a junior team. And this the owner um, actually played for them. Uh, and after he finished up playing juniors for the New Jersey Wildcats, the Empire played for NYU and the ACHA. And, you know, look, you get a pretty you, when you go to NYU and graduate there, you get a pretty good degree and you could probably, you know, write your own yeah. book when it comes to what you want to do. But he wanted to come back and run his own hockey program. And he started it with one rec team, I think, in 2011 or something like that. And now we're up to we're the fastest growing program in New Jersey with over 400 players. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, and kind of you know ties into all the hard work and kind of you know like you said starting from a rec team and just like continuously moving. Obviously with, with the expansion, you know, and, and just kind of leading a team in, in junior hockey. Obviously it's it's a tough, it's exciting. You know, it, it's 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 a job, right? So mm-hmm. you want to explain kind of to like to, to us and really to the listeners kind of you know how you guys plan on dealing with the stresses of you know kind of building a, a junior roster. 
Um, you know, building, you know, a team culture, obviously you guys have a team culture there with kind of stepping it up. Like if anything's going to change, dealing with all the sponsorships and, you know, trying to, to bring that in, what, what are the ways you guys are kind of planning to kind of adapt to that and kind of work with the stress? Uh, absolutely. I think the best way to answer that uh, comes down to one word, uh, community. Now, it's going to take a lot of work and effort on our part, but one thing I've seen about this organization is how involved they are in the community and how involved the community is with them. For example, um, this organization, uh, since the rink owns the program, we actually open up a secondary seasonal rink in a local town, Union County, Westfield, uh, for any Jersey guys listening, they'd be mad if I didn't mention it. Um, and they, it is completely community driven, even though our rink manages it and runs it. Um, the, the town itself created an ordinance to allow the rink to come there. Local businesses supported that rink to help build it. And, you know, I'm not saying they're just going to come flock to us because it, it, and it's going to be easy. But we've seen that the towns, in, especially in Union County, really love the sport and just love to give players an opportunity to have a good athletic experience. And in this particular case with hockey. As far as uh, roster development, we have some good in-house guys uh, with teams that have uh, qualified for districts in the past couple of years. But one thing I really loved about the Thunder and our culture is we move guys up. You know, you, you have some places where, you know, if a guy's ready to move on and maybe needs to play at the next level, uh, maybe some places try to hold on to them and, and not necessarily let them go to where they need to be. I think one thing that uh, Matt... Uh, Anderson, our GM, and myself uh, coming in have done a great job is, hey, if you're ready to go, you should go. We need to do what's best for you. So when it comes to roster development, I think we're really excited to now give guys an option um, that, hey, this is a good option for you to either come in here uh, and help grow as a player, or this is a great option for you to stay and continue. And I think that's really, it's staying true to ourselves in that regard. I think it also helps uh, in Union County alone I think we have four top 20 New Jersey high school teams in the area uh, just in this 30-mile radius. And then if you go out even 40 miles, uh, the the game here is has gotten so good uh, and grown so quickly. Um, and not even just from a, a boys' ice hockey standpoint. I mean, there's a legitimate girls' league now being brought in New Jersey next year. But I think that just really shows to how much the community is invested in hockey and developing players. I love seeing the development of hockey everywhere it's happening, and there's a lot of Olympic talk right now that we could definitely go down at, at a, maybe a different podcast. But where I would go from that is, so if you were going to talk to any prospective players or even parents of prospective players uh, looking to be part of the Thunder Junior Hockey family next year, what would you like to say to them? So what I would tell them, and I've been some people who listen to this might be like, oh, he, he already told me that. Uh, Thunder, we've always been committed to player development on and off the ice, uh, not only physically, but personally. We're going to bring that same approach to our junior team. And look, in the end, our job is to develop you and make you better on and off the ice. Obviously, we want on-ice success, but that success is going to be defined by development and advancement of our players. Some of that's going to be measurable with players moving on to higher levels of juniors in college that can be broken down into data. But some of that is just helping players learn and grow as people, which is not necessarily something that's going to have a number attached to it. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be success in that department as well. Uh, I think another thing that I love about this program is it's they love hockey and they love supporting each other. I was at a I was scouting one of our midget double A teams that was uh, having an exhibition game against a local triple A team. 
it was a nine o'clock on a Friday night and there was 30 kids from the Bantam teams just there going nuts in, in, behind the glass. Like, like it's like, it's an NHL game, like banging on the glass and just going crazy. And, you know, at first you might think, oh, these kids don't got anything better to do on a Friday. But what it really is, is these kids want to be here and, and love the culture that has been grown here and not only want to, you know, be a part of it themselves, but support the others that are a part of it. And I think that's the important aspect. I think when it comes to junior hockey um, and really any any junior sport is it's got to be a welcoming environment. And it's not only about the skills development of the sport, but it's about the player development as as not only hockey players in this in this circumstance, but like as people and to make it a fun environment that, you know, youth want to be a part of. And they're they're not only there because they have to be they're there because they want to be because that's their family outside the family. And if you can develop that culture, that's absolutely amazing. Exactly. And look, I, I'm a big benefit of that. Uh, I was an only child and I still have a bunch of brothers. Uh, and those are guys yeah. that I either played with growing up or even played juniors with for just one year. Uh, you know, those are still guys that I talk to every day, uh, get together in the summers. And, you know, to be able to provide that experience for even one other person would be a win in my book. That's awesome. I feel like right now you, everyone's listening is probably like, wow, this, these guys are really grilling him. Um, so apologize <laughs> for that. Yeah, hey, hey, don't worry, hey, don't worry about it. Look, I'm a school counselor uh, with seventh and eighth graders. So if this is Oof. grilling, then my job would be easy with the question I get from parents sometimes. Um, you know, and, and talking about kind of, you know, you know, the day job and obviously, you know, the night job, which, you know, basically two full-time jobs being, you know, a coach and, and also, you know, what you do off the ice. So, you know, let's kind of have a little fun with this. And then kind oh, of, yeah. you know, for me as, you know, personally, if you asked anybody, um, they would tell me as long if I'm not focusing on coaching, I'm disorganized. And I would agree with that. So that's probably like my weak point. So, you know, if someone asked you, you know, what was the one thing you'd want to work on, what would that be? So, you know, professionally, uh, I'm too positive. Uh, you know, it's a thing, man. It's a thing. Like, look, I, I provide constructive and critical feedback. I, I don't, I don't sugarcoat things, but at the same time, sometimes, you know, when a team needs a little bit of a kick or a little bit of, Hey, you know, we are not performing the level we need to, or just a sort of a jolt. Um, I, I could be better than that. You know, I, I always try, like, even in a lot tough loss, I always try to find the positives and the things we did well so that we could build off that. Um, and I do recognize the negatives and, and bring them up, but I, I think I could have a better mix of that. Um, and that's professionally, um, like in life though, and on a, on a funny standpoint, so now we're getting the lighter part, uh, anything not on skates I could improve on because uh, I really struggle with any sort of athletic movement that doesn't have to do with hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I could list – actually, I, I'm sure I could list many things, but my wife could probably list a multitude of things I'm probably not very good at. I'm getting better at cooking, just putting that out there so anyone wants to hate there. But um, one thing I do like doing, and I've gotten better at not watching so much of, is film. Love mm. watching films. I'm a big comedy fan. And you, you look at some of these characters in movies and such, and you're like, ah, oh, to be that character. So – if you could be one character from any film, who would it be and why? I feel like I'm going to say this name and you guys just be, oh, that's so cliche, especially at a hockey podcast. But uh, um, I would say Reggie Dunlop from Slapshot. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, I knew I was going to get some laughs there. Um, and, and the reason is, uh, when I was, uh, I think it was like 25 or 26, I had one year of eligibility left in the ACHA because you get five years. And I was getting my master's uh, in counseling at Seton Hall University. And I was like, I want to play. I was like, they had a team and, uh, you know, I, I taught, I knew some of the guys cause I actually coached some of them when they were kids. And I, I, so I signed up and it's just so funny cause it was a younger team with not many guys who played juniors and there weren't really many seniors. So I think I was six years older than the next oldest guy. And, you know, I've come in the locker room and hear chatter like, oh, I don't know if Sam's going to be there. I think he's got to go see his kid or something. Uh, like, and they called me grandpa. But, it, you know, I really was a player coach. And I was obviously supported by the coaching staff. I, you know, they were really supportive of me as well and my schedule because they knew how committed I was to coaching. But, you know, I, I just would be sitting there and I was like, my God, I'm Reggie Dunlop from Slapshot. <laughs> like, I'm here like, coaching this kid I was coaching when he was a peewee and now I'm playing with him. That breaks my heart. <laughs> I'm the old guy on this podcast. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I, I'm sometimes, you know, sometimes someone's got to be the oldest in the room. Like you ever, yeah, I remember sometimes I was in tryouts and, you know, when you kind of get that borderline kid who's either going to make the, the upper team and he's not going to be the best player, he's going to make the lower team the best player. There was a coach in there and he said, hey, someone's got to be the best player. So, you know, in this case, someone has to be the oldest guy. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, that's that's a very good point. I mean, mm. hey, at least you brought leadership, right? No matter what happens, you could always say, hey, you brought leadership to the team. That's right, man. A little, a little, little bit of salt and vinegar for him, too. <laughs> you know, and, and kind of talking about coaching and, and just kind of, you know, message that we bring to players. Um, you know, we're very, everyone's very familiar with, uh, you know, Gretzky's quote of, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. But not very often do we hear the, the quote, you know, 90% of hockey is mental. The other half is physical. You know, what what does that kind of mean to you? Uh, I, I think that's a great one. Uh, you know, what it really reminds me of is, and I'm sure you guys have been to CBAS, especially as a coach, is, you know, going in a locker room when myself and the team, you know, are, are frustrated after a loss in a game we felt we could have competed better. And in those moments, you realize you have the physical capability to accomplish what you want, but the mental execution is just as important, if not more important. And just like players, you need uh, need to do this um, with themselves. Uh, so do people in junior hockey, like myself, going to coaching positions. Because yeah, you have to physically put in the hours, but you have to mentally execute as well. And I think the reason it's not used as often is I think sometimes people are afraid to admit that, hey, I, I am good enough, but I mentally didn't execute. Yeah, I mean that, yeah. that's that's pretty well bang on. I mean yeah. it's true. It, it's it, like again, it's, it's something that you know one of the quotes is not really brought up that often. And I think really it should be more used to kind of explain to the kids like yeah, you know sometimes you know it's physically draining, it's mentally draining, but you know it's it's all about like you said sometimes it's all about just like finding the positives, right? It, it is it can get mental draining because you know especially you know I would say today's player probably looks at the negative more than the positive, no matter how much positive there is, you know, and, and I get it. There's so many leagues and, you know, everyone wants to go, you know, to pro or, you know, play NCAA or whatever it is. And they're, they're putting all that pressure on themselves, but, you know, looking at the positives and kind of having that positive impact can kind of really change their entire game or, you know, especially, especially you can just change their, that one moment for them. So, you know, I, I agree with you. I think it's something that, you know, needs to be used a lot more. Yeah, you know, and challenge is good, right? You know, and I always tell my guys, uh, you want to 
run to challenge, not run from it. And sometimes that challenge is saying that I mentally need to make sure I'm executing because I'm putting in the man hours and put, I have the physical tools, but I can't neglect the, the mental aspect of, of it as well. Yeah, actually, what you just said actually remind me, I mean, it's kind of on topic because obviously we're recording the day after the Super Bowl and it's kind of a, a quote I like to, you know, that I like that Sean McVay, you know, the head coach of the Rams kind of came out and it was asked basically on a big play when they won a fourth and one. He says, you know, we attack success. We don't feel failure. And I think that's it. It's just like not worrying about the things that go wrong along the way. It's more about, you know, appreciating what the final product is. Yeah, absolutely. And when you got a, a motto like that and you really stick to it and live by it, you end up winning the Super Bowl, right? And I mean, even in those past couple of years, uh, you know, I know it's hockey pockets, not too much football, but, you know, I think they even look at themselves, even when they maybe didn't have success these past couple of years, they probably looked themselves in the mirror and said, you know, could we do X, Y, and Z better? Yeah, but I know I did everything I could to be in a successful position. And I, I think now and they built off that and they are where they are now. They're going to Disneyland. Yeah, exactly. I was rooting for the Bengals, so it's still a little bit raw. I have friends that are Rams fans. I have friends that are Bengals fans, but uh, I really was not really franchise-wise, but just the, the city of Cincinnati. But this has been a fun podcast, and before we wrap up, I'm going to actually just drop the nonprofit of the podcast, and that's going to be the Teaneck Creek Conservancy, who are a member-supported nonprofit organization dedicated to the reclamation and protection of the Teaneck Creek watershed. So show your support or get involved at tnetcreek.org. Link will be in the episode description. We again want to thank our special guest, the head coach and GM for the EHL's future franchise, the Union Thunder, Sam Taffel. Sam, again, thanks for jumping on with us today. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. New favorite podcast, so I'll, I'll be I'll be around. <laughs> I appreciate that. We also want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at PHHOfficial to let us know what you think. And also be sure to comment and share any upcoming games or hockey news we should cover in a future podcast. This is the Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Christian Sebastian. Thanks for listening. And remember, always clear your crease.